there anybody in the room that loves Jesus? Put your hands together. Come on, all around this place. Come on, is that the best praise you've got? Come on, somebody open up your lips. He is good. He is faithful. I'm telling you right now, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. I know at our Go Church campus, they just had an incredible worship experience as well. And let me just tell you this, we'll jump into the introduction of where we're going in just a moment. But let me just say this, when Jesus is in the room, come on now, everything we need is available. Anybody thankful for that? So whatever, whatever you've come in here with today... Just in his presence, it's available. So salvation is available. Deliverance is available. Freedom is available. Come on, healing is available. Come on, somebody claim that today because it's in his name and in his presence. And what, what a great day it is. My goodness, come on. Let me take a moment welcome our Go Church family. As many of you know, we're one church, two locations. So we have the beautiful people right here in the South Metro Atlanta area. And then our other campus is 702 miles north of here, just outside of the greater Washington, D.C. area. So I'm looking into the camera saying hello to Go Church, our family there. Come on, can you make some noise for them? Let them know you love them. Can you be loud enough they can hear you 700 miles away? There it is, yeah. And then, of course, all of you watching online, we love you so much. Thanks for tuning in today. As a matter of fact, if you'd jump down in the comment section of, of Facebook there or the online chat feature, let us know where you're watching from. We always love to see the different parts of the world that you're tuning in from. And so thankful for technology where we can take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So God bless each of you as you're watching today. And then we always love, before we jump into the message, of course, we, we ask that the Holy Spirit would show up, and, and he's done that. But we always love to also give honor to our incredibly brave military men and women that are serving. Come on. And the armed forces, can you bless them today? Come on. Let them know you love them. Many of them will be working and serving right through the holidays, so we just, we pray Psalm 91, a prayer of protection over you and your families as you serve. Thank you so much for giving us our freedoms, and uh, we just bless you. And then, of course, all of us today, come on, I just love Jesus. Anybody with me on that? Let's love the Lord. I'm going to share with you uh, one final message in this mini-series that we've been doing. I'll tell you more about that in just a second, but I wanted you to mark your calendars for next Sunday. I know that many of you might have travel plans this week, and we pray for you as you travel to and from, and some of you have family uh, members coming in, the, uh, the parents are coming, the cousins are coming, the in-laws are coming, we're praying for you. Um, I've got great in-laws, thanks be to God for that. You know, uh, but, but if you're in town or your family's in town, you don't want to miss next Sunday. We're actual, and we've never done anything like this in the history of our church, as far as I can know, uh, especially at Go Church. We're calling it Communicator Sunday, and we're, we're actually going to have five different speakers speaking next Sunday. Uh, each one of them will get an hour apiece. It's going to be glorious. You're going to love that. I'm just seeing if anybody's awake, if you're listening, because that's not true. Each one of the speakers will get five minutes each. So if you don't believe in miracles, come next Sunday and watch a preacher speak in five minutes. That's a miracle. At both campuses, five different communicators will be sharing. It's going to be, I'm telling you, it's going to be a life-changing Sunday as you hear part of their stories, as you hear what God has been speaking to them. So next Sunday is Communicator Sunday, and we'd love to have you, your family, your friends, everybody that's in town come and be a part of what God is doing. Uh, we know that you'll be blessed, and those with you will be blessed as well. Now, speaking of being blessed, we are in the final week of a series called The Blessed Life, and it's just a quick 
kind of two-week mini-series uh, that we launched last Sunday, and uh, basically we're talking about what it means to live the blessed life. Let me get some crowd participation here. By a show of hands, how many of you would say that you are blessed? Come on, if you're blessed, put your hands up. Yeah. I mean, that, that's all of us, every single one of us, regardless of how much money you have or how much money you don't have, the blessings of God is so much more than finances. Come on, give me a good amen right there. Now, society tells us and culture tells us, again, that the, the best life is a rich life or the best life is a successful life or the best life is a powerful life or a popular life. But truth be told, when you read throughout Scripture, the best life really is a blessed life. And this is the type of life that, that I, I want to live, that I want our family to live. This is the type of life that I want you to live and I want your families to live. Is a blessed life, positioning yourself to receive all of the blessings of God, all of the promises of God. And over the last couple of weeks, including today, I've really been trying to, to teach on that very principle. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it kind of gives us this reality of accomplishing uh, living in this blessed life. It's the words of Jesus, and, and he's having this conversation, and he says, and everything that I've showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. Let me just say this to the church, uh, not just here at South Metro, not just at Go Church, but, but, but to the big church, big C, capital church across the globe. May we never lose sight as Christians as our responsibility to help the weak. Come on, give me a better amen right there. It is our, it's not somebody else's responsibility, which it's not government's responsibility. It's our responsibility, you know, and I, I'm not against other nonprofits like, uh, like the Red Cross or, or Goodwill or Salvation Army, but, but they cannot do what the church is called to do. And, and it's our call, especially in this time of the year to help the weak. And then he says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself. That he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Here's what I want to do, both campuses on the count of three. Read these last few words highlighted in yellow. You ready? One, two, three. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I, I want us to, to get that truth in our heart, to get that truth in our spirit, because Acts 20, verse 35, is telling us that if we really, truly want to live this blessed life, the blessed life is not about getting more. The blessed life is about giving more. That, that's the key to these conversations. Write this down if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do that. The key to a blessed life is a heart of generosity. And the heart of generosity, let me pause for a moment. Again, it goes far beyond finances. The heart of generosity, the discipline of generosity, is the key to a blessed life. And if you want to be more blessed, and it's okay to desire that, that God would bless you. And I'll, I'll tell you why later on in this message. But the key to being more blessed is understanding that you and I must become more generous. Do you believe that? Uh, let me prove it to you because I know anytime that we talk about generosity in the church, anytime we talk about finances in the church, anytime we talk about giving in the church, there are a few people, a few people that they find themselves a little bit skeptical about, you know, what's going on? Why is he asking for money? I don't have time to reteach last week, but I, I absolutely encourage you, both campuses, if you missed last Sunday, uh, jump back in and, and catch up with us because I talked about this very truth. I, I, I'm doing this series not because I want anything from you. I do not want anything from you. I'm teaching on this series because God has something for you. And if you want to be more blessed, then you have to become more generous. And, and Proverbs teaches on this very thought in, in, in the 11th chapter. 
In verse 24, the Bible says this, there's one person who gives freely. And if you were to pause right there in your reading, logic would tell us that if there's an individual who's just giving freely, at some point they, they would be without, there would be nothing left to give. But, but the principle of generosity, uh, the discipline of generosity, when you measured up to the, the economy of God, it doesn't work like that. As a matter of fact, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Come on, that's the way that God works, and, and you cannot take God out of this equation. And then watch this. Then another person, they'll withhold unduly, meaning they have the, the ability to give, they have the means to give, they have the opportunity to give, yet they choose not to do it. And you would think, again, logic would say, well, if I hold on to what I have, then surely I'll have more. But that's not true either. Scripture says that it leads, that decision leads us to poverty. It leads to poverty. And then verse 25 summarizes what kind of person will be blessed? It's the, whole, it's the whole idea of the blessed life. It says this, a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Whoever blesses others, they will be blessed. Come on, that's good, isn't it? So, so last week, here's what we did. I took some time. I talked about the myths, the mistakes, and the mindsets of generosity. Uh, time didn't permit for me to get to the mindsets of generosity, so that's actually what we're going to talk on today. Now, with everything inside of me, I want to go back and reteach some of that, but, but I'm going to er fight against that urge to do it. Jump back online, watch the replay, because I want you to hear some of the things that God spoke uh, on last Sunday, because I think for many of us, it can be very liberating. This idea of generosity and how it's connected to the local church and the kingdom of God, I want you to jump back and listen. But I will say this. I gave you three myths. I gave you three mistakes, which this will help me. Did anybody enjoy last Sunday? Come on, was it all right? Yeah. So go back and listen and watch. So today I'm going to give you three mindsets of generosity. And here's what I'm hoping is that through the course of this conversation and as the Lord reveals himself to you, that, that God will set us free from at least the first mindset. And here's the first one. Come on, write this down. We call it the bag mindset. The B-A-G, bag mindset. And, and here's what individuals will say. Here's what families will say that, that have this particular mindset, this, this bag mentality. We would like to give. We would like to be generous. But, but we don't have enough. That, that these are individuals that always feel like they have to live paycheck to paycheck. That, that any time they, they take one step forward, something happens, and then they end up going two steps back. These are the types of people that feel like they can never really get caught up financially. Uh, maybe some of you can... can uh, relate to the words of, of the Old Testament here in Haggai chapter 1, verse number 6. Here's what it says. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them in a bag with holes. <laughs> Listen, church, this is the very definition of the bag mindset. Here's what happens all around our country, especially in the United States. We have a bag, and we go to work, and we work hard, and we get paid, and we take that income, and we put it in a bag, and we shove it in the bag, and we hold on tight to that bag. But at the end of every single month, at the end of every single week, at the end of every single responsibility, there seems to be holes in this bag. Because what I put in the bag 
somehow came out of the bag. And what I put in there is no longer in there. Does that make sense? And again, you put your investments, you put your earnings, you put your wages into this bag, but this bag is filled with holes. And sometimes you work so hard and you put in uh, extra hours and you do overtime trying to get as much as you can, shove it all into this bag, and then bam, the transmission goes out. Come on now. Boom, the refrigerator's broken. Boom, the heater breaks. And all of a sudden, you go back into this bag. But guess what? There's nothing in there. Because it's a bag with holes. And you, you live your life and you feel like you've got this bag. It's got these holes. And as much as you'd like to be generous, every time you go into the bag to try to be generous, to try to give to your church, to try to bless other people, you feel like you can't because there's nothing inside. There's just not enough. I wish I could be generous. I desire to give, but there's nothing in my bag because it's a bag filled with holes. Uh, let me show you something. There's a guy in the New Testament that really struggled with this bag mentality. Everywhere he went, he carried around a bag with him, and, and he would work so hard to, to put as much as he could in this particular bag. His name was Judas. Everywhere Judas went, he had a bag. As a matter of fact, one time uh, there was a, an example where this, this woman, this sinful woman, this immoral woman, had found her way into the presence of Jesus. She was so overcome by, by the grace of Jesus Christ. She was so overcome by the mercy of Jesus that, that Scripture tells us that she took a jar of perfume and she broke it as a sacrifice. Now, this particular jar of perfume was equal in value to about one year's worth of wages for her. So she took it. It was a sacrifice. It was everything she had. And she broke it as, as worship before the Lord. And your Bible says that it was Judas who screamed out, no, 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 not the money. No, don't do that. Not the money. We could sell it and put it in the bag. And watch, he was so consumed with this bag mindset. He was so controlled with this bag mindset that it was Judas, Judas who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver that lived inside of a bag. He sold out Jesus for money to put it in a bag. And let me tell you, church, respectfully, far too many people do the exact same thing. And I know what you're thinking. Are you comparing me because I'm not generous to Judas? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be hard. Just the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, will a man rob God? And Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how? How am I robbing you, God? And he says, in tithes and in offerings. Listen to me, church. This isn't the words of Pastor JC. This is the words of Scripture. The tithe belongs to God. It's his. As a matter of fact, everything that you have, all the possessions that you have, they come from God to begin with. Come on. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. He doesn't ask you for all of it. He just asks for a portion, a fraction a percentage. Why? Why did Jesus talk about money more than he talked about anything else in his ministry? Because money is the number one spiritual indicator of the condition of your heart. And he says, look, I'm just asking for a fraction. And here's what people with a bag mindset do. I love to give, but my bag has holes. I'd love to be generous, but Christmas is coming and I've got to save money. 
I'd love to give. I'd love to bless somebody else, but but things are tight right now, or I'm worried about my job in the new year, or I don't don't feel like I can in this season, or, you know, my kids are getting older, and i got to save for college, or my daughter, she's going to get married one day, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put all this money in my bag. And let let me tell you this. Listen to me. You need to hear my heart because I'm not angry. I'm just passionate about this truth that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. As long as you are controlled by the bag mindset, you will never fully experience the blessed life. As long as you are consumed, as long as you are controlled with what goes in your bag, you will never fully experience the blessed life. Come on, give me a good amen right there. Now, I want you to see this, and let me say this first. Too many families from our South Metro Atlanta campus to our, our, our Germantown campus just outside of D.C., too many families have been under generational curses surrounded by this bag mindset. Too many. Too many are living paycheck to paycheck. Too many. Too many of you. Uh, you're just struggling to make it. And respectfully, I'm telling you, your way is not working. The bag mindset is controlling you. It's manipulating you. And it's allowing you to rob God. And as you rob God, I'm telling you, he's unable to bless you the way that he wants to bless you. Because he's trying to test you with what's in your bag. Are you going to hold on to it and keep filling it up and patch some holes along the way? Or... Will you allow God to deliver you from this bag mindset to the second mindset? And this one's so much fun. Watch this. It's the basket mindset. Now, this one's completely different. The the basket mindset is where the person recognizes that that God is an abundant God. That that God is a God of of more than enough. And, and, And the person that's got the basket mindset, here's what they say. They say, God, because you have blessed us, now now we're in a position to bless other people. They say, we, we don't have a bag mindset. No, we, we've got a basket mindset. Deuteronomy 28 uh, is an incredible chapter that shows the blessings of God. Let me show you just a part of it, and, and it'll connect this idea of, of the basket mindset. Watch this, beginning in verse number four. The, the fruit of your womb will be blessed. Let's just make sure we're all on the same page. It doesn't say the fruit of the loom. Come on now, help me out. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. And the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. And then watch verse 5. If you've got your Bible, I want you to highlight it. If you've got your smartphone, I want you to highlight it there. Come on, watch this. Verse number 5. And your basket. Come on, somebody help me preach for a moment. And your basket, your kneading trough, will be blessed. And then watch verse number 6. Because the person that graduates from the bag mindset to the basket mindset, they get to walk in the promise of verse number 6. You will be blessed when you come in, and you will be blessed when you go out. Come on, church. Help me out for a moment. You'll be blessed when you come in, and you'll be blessed when you go out. It's the basket mindset. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus gave an interesting teaching on this very idea of the basket mindset. Luke chapter 6, one verse here. I'm going to show it to you, and and then I'll share with you some teaching on it. Verse 38 of Luke 6 says this. Give, and it will be given to you. How much? A good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
It will be poured into your lap. This is the verse some of y'all pray when you play the lottery. Come on now, right here. Come on. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Can I teach to you for a moment? What is, what is Jesus doing here? And, and who is Jesus talking to? I'm telling you, Jesus was, it'd have to be the most incredible communicator. I mean, he knew his audience. He knew the demographic. He knew the people that he was speaking to. And so when Jesus is talking in Luke chapter 6, he knew that he would be talking to a group of people that would understand what farmers and landowners would do with those who harvested grain. So, so he knew that farmers and landowners would harvest grain. And so watch this. If they ever had an abundance in their crop, if they ever had a, a plentiful harvest of grain, I mean, it was just overflowing, then they would invite two different people groups to come and to remove the extra grain. Everybody with me? If you're with me, say, I'm there. The first group of people that would come would be the day laborers. These would be the people that were paid to come onto the field. The, the, the landowner or, or the master or the farmer would invite these day laborers to bring their baskets. And they would say to them, fill your baskets and then take it, take it to the barn, take it to the factory, take, take it to the headquarters, take it somewhere across the field. Now, these day laborers, because they were paid, they knew, I'm not going to fill my basket all the way to the top because it's heavy and that's a long walk from one end of the field to the other end of the field. So these day laborers, they would only fill their basket about three-fourths of the way full. Why? Because it wasn't as heavy. Does that make sense? The amount of wage, the amount of pay wasn't determined by the weight of the basket. So they would only, you know, measure it up about three-fourths of the way. It would give them the ability to carry it from one end of the field to the other. But there was a second group of people. And these were the people that, that some of us might consider to be less fortunate. Now what's interesting about this particular people group is that they were beneficiaries of the master's generosity. They weren't getting paid to work. They were getting blessed to work. And so the landowner or the farmer would say, bring your baskets and take as much as you want. It's free. It's for you. And so these individuals, some of them who were very hungry, they would come with their baskets and they would fill up their baskets. How much do you think they would fill it up? A good measure. And then they would take it, and then they would fill their basket to a good measure with all the harvested grain, and then they would press it down. Why? Because they're making room for more grain. Come on, somebody. Then they would shake that thing together. Why? Because they wanted to get all the air out of the basket to leave room for only more blessing and more generosity. And then they would fill it so full. Come on, I feel Jesus right now. That the basket would be running over. And then as they carried their filled basket from one end of the field to the other end of the field, the blessing would be pouring into their lap. Come on, church. Now, let me really preach for just a moment. Can I tell you that this is the type of God that you serve? You serve an abundant God. He is not a God of lack. He is the type of God that says, if you have a basket mindset, I will fill that basket, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, and the blessings of God will be so much that they will be poured into your lap. I wish I had a couple hundred people between both campuses that would agree with me that the basket mindset is far better than the bag mindset. Woo, come on, somebody else testify real quick. 
I'm telling you, this is so good. I'm about to give myself an offering. Come on now. Again, he's an abundant God. And God does not want you to live in this bag, this bag mindset, paycheck to paycheck. We can never do anything. No. God says, bring your basket and let me fill it up. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Uh, I still know that some people are skeptical, and I, and I get that. And so I'm trying to help you as much as I'm trying to help myself. Let me show you a story that will back up what I'm talking about and what I'm preaching about. Uh, in the New Testament, there, there's this little boy. And this little boy hears about the ministry of Jesus. And so he decides to go and hear Jesus speak. Well, he didn't go alone. As a matter of fact, he showed up to the park with about 15,000 of his closest friends and family. And they're all sitting in this park, and, and much like this sermon that you're enduring, that, that the same was true with Jesus, is that it got a little long-winded. And so people started asking, hey, does anybody have any food? I'm hungry. Now, when I was growing up in church and I would sit and listen to the preacher, one of my favorite parts of that service was my sister and I sharing snacks that we found in my mom's purse. Come on, somebody testify to that right there. Come on. And have you ever noticed that when you pull out a piece of candy, whether it be like, uh, like a cough drop or a peppermint or a Hershey kiss or for some of you Doritos, whatever it is you munch on while I'm preaching, that the quieter you try to be in opening the candy, the louder it is, and everybody's looking at you. Let me just go ahead and give you some freedom. Just eat your food. Go ahead. It's all right. I'm going to keep on preaching anyway, you know. And so these people that they're in this crowd, they're listening to Jesus speak, and somebody says, hey, does anybody have any food? And this little boy, a teenage boy perhaps, he offered up his, watch this, his picnic basket. He offered it up. And here's what he said. He said, I've got five loaves of bread. I've got, I've got two fish. I mean, this is probably just enough to have like a couple filet fish from McDonald's. Come on now. He says, I've got five loaves of bread, two fish, and I'll give it. Now, I want you to see something. Because if in that moment the boy had a bag mindset and not a basket mindset, how different the outcome would have been. And this is what happens to so many of us. Jesus just asked, what do you have? What do you have? See, if the boy had a bag mindset, he would have said, I, I don't have enough food. I mean, I, I, I barely have enough for me. And I've got, I've got siblings maybe. I've got a family. Like my mom told me not to share my food. The bag mindset says, hold on to it. Don't give it up. But the boy had a basket mindset, which is, God, you've been so good to me. God, you have blessed me. God, your favor is on my life. And it may not be much, but if you provided it for me and somebody else is in need, then I'll be generous. Come on now. It's what I told you last week. Let me show it to you again. Faith leads to obedience, and obedience leads to abundance. This boy had simple faith. That's it. He had simple faith, and his simple faith led him be obedient, led him to be obedient to, hey, does anybody have food? And then when he said, yes, here it is, with a basket mindset, his obedience led to abundance. And I want you to see what Jesus did, because this is, this is life-changing, because what happened in that moment thousands of years ago still stands true to the blessings of God on our families today. God received what was offered. 
Watch this. He took the picnic basket, five loaves, two fish, and he lifted it to heaven. And watch this. Don't miss it, because your Bible says it. And he blessed it. There it is. The blessed life. He took what was offered, and he lifted it. And when Jesus blessed what had been given, the gift was multiplied. The gift was multiplied. And in that moment, 5,000 men were fed. Uh, women and children were fed on top of the 5,000 men. And, and every, everybody ate until they were full. Why? Because faith leads to obedience. And obedience leads to abundance. And I know I've said some of this last week as well, but let me just say it again because I feel it so strong in my spirit. Your generosity is never, ever about how much you're giving. It's never about the amount. It's always about the amount of sacrifice. It's about the amount of faith. It's about the amount of obedience. To say, God, it's five loaves and two fish. I can't do anything with it. And God says, give it to me. I'll bless it and watch what I can do. And I'm not challenging your biblical intellect at either campus. Many of you, you know the word, and I'm thankful for that. You study the scripture. But I wonder if you've ever read this story and you've missed such a key moment after the miracle of the feeding of the, the, the thousands of people took place. I, I want you to see this because when it was all over, the disciples were given instructions. And the instructions were, now go clean up. Go clean up. And watch what happens. Matthew 14, verse number 20. They all ate. They were all satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces. And watch this. Twelve full baskets. One for every disciple to take with them. Watch this. And the Lord kind of showed me that in the first gathering. And then I just kind of felt this in my spirit just now. I almost think that this is the way of God saying, none of you offered your lunch. But I'll give you the blessing anyway because somebody else was faithful and obedient. Do you see that? Watch this. If you want to be more blessed, it doesn't come through this bag mindset. I'll put it all in my bag. Shove it all in there because your bag has holes in it. It comes from this breakthrough of understanding of the basket mindset. And this is what I pray, that there would be families that would cross over out of the generational curse of the bag mindset. And you would open yourself up to say, God, it may not be much, but I'll give it to you anyway because everything I have comes from you. Come on, can you put your hands together for me today? Come on. Come on, do a little bit better if you believe this word to be true today. Now, we talked about the bag mindset, we talked about the basket mindset, but this one, ladies and gentlemen, is the most fun of all. And this is where I hope that all of us get to arrive and experience on this side of heaven. You ready? Write it down. It's the barn mindset. This, this is the person who knows that God is infinitely more than enough. That God really is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. I shared with you Deuteronomy verses 4, 5, and 6 earlier. Let me jump to verse number 8 because it talks about this particular mindset. It says, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and a blessing on everything that you put your hand to. Uh, let me say it to you like this. When you're faithful with what is in the bag... And when you're faithful with what is in the basket, then one day God will give you a barn that is overflowing. Come on, church. 
a barn that is overflowing with blessing and goodness and abundance. And this is where I want you to live. Uh, as a matter of fact, there, there's a guy in the Old Testament that, that kind of lived out what I'm talking about in, in, a, in a different way, but similarly. And his name was Joseph. And Joseph, Joseph, as you know, uh, I don't have time to give you the full context of his story or history, but watch this. Joseph had a dream. And Joseph had, it was a prophetic dream. And Joseph decided to tell this particular dream to his brothers. Well, his brothers didn't like the dream that he told, so they, they put him inside of a pit. I mean, they dug a hole and put him in a pit. First thing I want to tell you is be careful who you tell your dreams to. Different sermon, different day, but needed to know in this moment. They, they took his coat and they rolled it in animal's blood to trick his father that, that Joseph was dead. Well, the story tells us that even though Joseph was in the pit, he was still faithful. And let me tell you, faithfulness will take you a long way. And because he was faithful, one day he wasn't in the pit any longer. Now he was in a prison. And while he was in the prison, God tested him in the prison. And guess what? Joseph was faithful. And so one day he was promoted from the pit to the prison to the palace. And now he's living in the palace. And while he's working in the palace, he's in charge of many responsibilities. He's still very faithful. A famine breaks out in all of Egypt. And Joseph recognizes because of his faithfulness and the way that God has allowed him to lead, he says one day, I know that there is a famine, but I have barns of food that are overflowing. Do you see that? And Joseph was able to feed everyone in Egypt because his barns were overflowing. He did not have a bag mindset. He didn't settle for the basket mindset. No, he knew that God was an abundant God. And here's the point that I want to make. In similar ways, when you are faithful, guess what God will do? God will use you to bless many because your barns will be overflowing. Here's the deal, though. And I'll bring this to a close because you're getting tired, I can tell. Watch this. The question that God has for you is, how much can he bless you with? How, how much can he bless you with? Because if you stay stuck in a bag mindset, you'll never get to the barn blessing. It doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, Luke 16, verse number 10, it says it like this, and in yellow, I kind of tied in today's theme and message uh, sandwiched in there. It says it like this, whoever can be trusted with what's in the bag can be trusted with what's in the barn. Come on, somebody help me out. Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with very much. So you're sitting here thinking, well, well, I, I want to experience this, this basket mindset or this barn mindset. I want to move from the bag blessing to the, to the barn blessing. What do I do? And scripture is clear. It's as plain as day. And I can't force you, and I never would even if I could, because it's a choice that you have to make and I have to make in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. You honor the Lord with whatever your wealth is, you honor him. I said this last week, but it is God first. He's first. You honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your crops. In today's terms, let me tell you what this is talking about. It's talking about the tithe. 
the tithe. And again, I'm not taking up a special offering today at the end of this, hoping that we can generate more cash flow. It's not about that. I don't want anything from you. God has something for you. And I'm just telling you, and I'm taking him at his word, that if you honor the Lord with your tithe, if you put God first, watch what happens. Verse number 10, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Let me tell you this. This is the beauty of generosity. It's the beauty of tithing. Because tithing teaches us to trust God with all of our heart. And when we tithe, it teaches us that God can do more with 90% that is, is blessed than 100% that's sitting in your bag that is not blessed. God can do it. So here's what I've been teaching you. Move from the bag mindset to the basket mindset to the barn mindset so that your, your barns can be filled to overflow. And I've got to finish with this because this is not some prosperity, get rich sermon. It's not about that. And it leads me to this closing thought. Why does God want you to have barn size blessings? Why? Why does God want to give you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over and pouring into your lap? Why? Like why, why would God want to give you that type of favor and that blessing? What if I told you that it wasn't really about you? What if I told you that it's not all about you? As a matter of fact, last story, I promise. There's a guy in the New Testament who thought that every blessing that came from God was for him. It was for him. Luke chapter 12, a few verses, and then we're done. Hang in there, and I'll pray for you. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man, so we know that he's blessed financially, yielded an abundant harvest. So he had more than enough. Verse 17. This guy thought to himself, what shall I do? Uh, let me put it in today's terms. I, I've got so much stuff. I am so blessed. There's not even room enough to hold on to all of the blessings. Watch what he says in verse number 18. He says this. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. Do you see it? I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger barns. That's what I'll do so that I can keep all the stuff that God is giving me. And there I'll store my surplus grain, verse 19, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Drink, eat, be merry. Can I tell you, uh, let me explain it to you like this. This guy had barn blessings but a bag mindset. His perspective was off. And I think, I think so many of us do that. And let me say it this way, because I know some of you are thinking, I don't, I don't have barn-sized blessings. Wrong. Wrong. Billions of people in this world live on $2 a day or less. Last night, you put your head down on a pillow. You laid on a mattress. You woke up this morning with food in the refrigerator. There was a, you got in a car to drive to church, you got clothes on your body. Today, today you'll, you'll go out to lunch, both campuses. Today ends endless shrimp at Red Lobster. There you go. There's a plug. Enjoy. 
And you'll eat and eat and eat. Thanksgiving friends will come over, family will come over, relatives will come over. You'll have more food than you know what to do with. What do, oh Jesus, what do we do? I know what I'll do, I'll go out and get another deep freezer. And I'll put all the food in there. And what if God says, it's not, it's not about you. It's not about you. And we do this. Uh, we, we, we move up, and I see it all the time, from a bag mindset to a basket mindset. And God's blessing us with our barns overflowing. And then all of a sudden, now the house isn't big enough. The car isn't nice enough. The clothes aren't new enough. And I need a boat. Now, I'm not upset at you pursuing any of those opportunities. You work hard, and you, you steward your finances. I'm not upset if you get a new boat. I'm just upset you haven't invited me on the boat. But what if the blessings weren't all for you to get stuff? Watch what Jesus said. So this guy, he's contemplating, I am blessed. I am blessed. God, you've given me so much, so much, I don't even know what to do with it. So I'll tear down the barns. I'll build bigger barns. You keep putting it in here, and I'll just keep holding on to it. And Jesus says, you are a fool. You fool. He says, this very night, your life is going to be demanded from you. Then who? Then when you're dead and gone. Because let me tell you, you can't take all that stuff with you. I've said for years, and I've heard other preachers say it, I stole it from them. Uh, I've I've been to a lot of funerals. I've never seen, you know, a a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. You don't don't get to take it with you. Then, Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Watch. And then he says in verse 21, he says, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. How about this? Watch this. Maybe. Just maybe God wants you to be graduated from the bag mindset to the basket mindset to the barn mindset so that he can bless you so that you can bless others. God wants to open up heaven so that he can bless you so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. So this Thanksgiving, think about this for a moment. What's one more mouth at your table going to hurt? when your neighbor's all alone with nobody there. This holiday season, when you go and it gets colder, it's already snowing up in the Washington, D.C. area. They've had snow for a few days. When you go into your closet and you have a hard time choosing, which coat should I wear today? And people are freezing, living on the street? Come on. I pray this holiday season, this Thanksgiving, this Christmas into the new year, you remember this, generosity begets generosity. And it really is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And that, friends, is the blessed life. That's why God wants to give you barns that overflow. Not so that you can just buy stuff for you, but so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Can you give the Lord the best praise you've got? Come on. Come on, while you're applauding, has God been good to you now? Come on. Has he been faithful to you? Are you blessed? Is there anything to be thankful for? Come on. Can you take 15 seconds and just tell him, Lord, thank you for the blessings in my life. Thank you for the gifts you've given me.